And welcome to a very special in-between episode of the Mojo Radio Show. We thought we'd have a bit of fun this year. This is it's just Robbo and I sitting down, dicking around with the console and looking back at the year that was. It's our explosive hits of 2016. <laughs> or used to do the essential hits of 2016. This is stuff that we have taken from our fabulous guests during the year. And we've put into our own world. The reason we opened with a little bit of ZZ and Lagrange is because it's Christmas holidays and you've been growing your beard. Well, it is. <laughs> and the other reason was that I just think that this time of the year we need to reflect. And it's a time to disconnect, disengage, and sit under a tree with your journal, look back at the year, and just go, you know. What was good and what are some of the memories? And well, I tell you what's obviously been good for you, mate, is Christmas because I'm looking at you in holiday mode. I tell you what, kicking back there in the tracky dacks and the t shirt, the, the, the five day growth. <laughs> it's certainly holidays, right? I thought you were going to say I was cutting a splendid figure. <laughs> Hardly. The, the thing I remember with that song takes me back, and I, was, I played the song, and the first thing that came to mind was. Back in the days of the halcyon world of the Triple M, where you and I worked together to start this whole journey off together, mm. on a Sunday morning, the doors would go up on the garage to Triple M, mm. and six Triple M rock patrols would hit the road to go out and do Free basically crosses and give away free stuff <laughs> to the prize pigs. And Muzza and Seth and Sweet, and I, we'd all be there, six of us going out, lights on, fantastic looking vehicles. Radio's blaring, and the song we would always leave to to get our mojo working was The Grange, Z, Z. So that, to me, sets up the show. A little yeah. bit of rock, a little bit of... We'll find a bit of country, we'll find a bit of gangster, maybe even a bit of the jazz. What we're trying to do here, folks, is put you in the mood for 2017. Isn't that right, Gaz? Absolutely, is get people to, to take some lessons from last year and really reflect on what was great, what were the learnings, the good, the bad and the ugly, and set you up for the year ahead. So let's let's kick off with a an international guest. He came from the UK. You you actually took a learning from a guy called Philip Hesketh, which was episode 73. And it's something to do with sales that you've put into your own world. Yeah, Philip Hesketh is a corporate speaker on sales and influence. And we had him on the show, as Gary said earlier in the year. And one of the questions I put to him was something that he did when he took over a company uh, and he called it the 10 before 10 on Tuesday. Just have a quick listen to this. I think it's probably the most valuable thing that I've ever did in business. Uh, it's it's alongside what's the most important thing to you about. I think it made more money than anything else. This. Um, let me tell you why. First of all, I started doing it. Um, my business went from naught to 100 million dollars, and it was successful. Made money every year, but we were bleeding clients. And by that, what I mean is we weren't. Uh, clients weren't phoning up saying they were livid with the service and they're furious and obviously you do get one or two but it wasn't that they were just kind of drifting away by the time as managing partner I got to know about that it was all too late 
So I decided to take my own medicine, which is all you need to know about time management, in my view, is allocate time for things that are important but not urgent. Because if you don't do that, things become important and urgent, and then you throw money at them, and it's all a bit of a mess. So I started, I, I chose Tuesday morning because it was as good a day as any. And I said, I'm going to phone 10 clients before 10 o'clock every Tuesday morning with no agenda, nothing to sell other than this killer question. Is there any aspect of our service we could improve on? And almost always the conversation went like this. Hi, Graham. Hi, Phil. Uh, how are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. How are you, fella? And even the tone was, I haven't heard from you for a while, Phil. That's not good, is it? Yeah. And then we'd <laughs> exchange pleasantries and I'd say, is there any aspect of our service we could improve on? And the, the next sentence usually began with, well. So, is there any aspect of our service we could improve on? Well, to be honest, there's a, ah. And then I found out the thing that was just the very beginning of a problem, very beginning of a breakaway. And often it was about a relationship and somebody had said something, somebody had got a little bit upset, and I could put it right. Mm. Mm. And I think that made more money than anything else. Yeah. So that's 10 before 10 on Tuesday. Make 10 phone calls to your clients before 10 o'clock every Tuesday and not for its own sake. Now, I was completely inspired by that. Uh, and for me in my business, a 10 before 10 on Tuesday doesn't really work. But I took what he was talking about and turned it into my own thing that Voodoo Sound does. So when I have a client, a new client or an older client who sent me some work, when I send the work back in the email somewhere, I will find a place to say... Uh, I hope you're happy with the work. Is there anything that you're not happy with? Please let me know. And if there's anything you think I could have done a bit better, also please let me know. Now, there are times that that's completely ignored, but it's also given me some really insightful feedback at times too about the service that I'm providing. And I guess that's the lesson that I took from Philip is, am I really listening to my customers? And I'm not really because I'm sitting in a studio at the back of my house, I'm doing my work and I'm emailing it to them and I'm not giving them the chance to give me any feedback. So I'm not learning from what I'm doing. And so that little trick has just helped me, hopefully, improve my customer service. It's an interesting show, folks. If you, let's face it, all of us are in selling in one way or another. We've got this new segment called Getting After It. We're talking to people who are basically starting out and having a crack at something. Uh, there are people who work in the corporate world who are working for big multinationals. But in some way, no matter what you're doing, you are selling and trying to influence someone and influence them in some way of being of service or to get a sale. And Philip Heskel's show, episode 73, was an absolute ripper. The other thing that I took from that, Robbo, that I thought was very pertinent, Philip had a question, which I think was very pertinent to anybody who works in sales or in some way is trying to influence. And the question that he poses is this. The key thing is to first of all ask, the absolute number one killer question. And if you think anything's gold dust for me, this is this is pure gold. And the number one question is, what is the most important thing to you about selling your house? And, and find out, well, is speed the essence or I, I must get $600,000 or so that I can't move. Uh, I need to sell um, because this won't happen if that doesn't happen, etc. So you get to know the full story. So if you're a lawyer, um, you say to someone, what is the most important thing to you about the divorce? What's the most important thing to you about this contract? Um, and that's 
start the conversation off by finding out what motivates the other person. So say that's question number one. What's the most important thing to you about? These are great tricks, folks, for you to take on board. And he is undoubtedly the king of sales and influence. So um, episode 73 was a ripper for that. Yeah, he was great value, Philip. So there's the takeaway, folks. It was a message we've put into our own worlds. And we then thought, well, if you take that lesson, what's a music track that we could play on our essential explosive hits album <laughs> that would reinforce the lesson. Uh, what are we playing, Well, I think we have to play a bit of the one man in rock who super serves his clients. Had to be the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Rock. This was one of my great discoveries of rock songs for the year. Our friends, the Dead Daisies. Marco Mendoza, who is the bass player for the Dead Daisies, was our special guest during Rocktober. And Marco grew up with his grandmother. And it's this time of the year, as Patria King said just last week on the Mojo Radio Show, it's time we should reflect and think about those that have had an influence and have shaped us in our careers and our lives. And I asked him about his grandmother and the influence his grandmother had had on his upbringing. She taught me how the meaning of working uh, towards something, the, the work ethic that I have today is it comes directly from those years with her that I spent with her. She was a piano teacher. She believed in structure and discipline and and work, you know. You can't achieve anything in life if you don't work for it. You got you can want something, but if you don't work for it, it's not gonna happen by osmosis. You gotta work, you gotta earn it. So and my father was the same way, you know. My father was like uh he was a net so um, Army Air Force guy, WW2, and, and he had a lot of old school, the old way of thinking, you know, old schoolers. It's like, uh, you got to earn things in life, you know? Uh, so that was the biggest lesson. Seemed, and I, I apply it now to the business I'm in, in, in music, in the music business, even now. It's almost like you have to work 10 times the amount to get, have the results of what we used to get, you know, 10, 20 years ago, because that's what it is right now. The lesson I took from that, Robbo, is you can dream. You can have all the aspirations you want for 2017, but nothing is going to make them happen unless you get after it. You work hard, you have a work ethic, and you have the discipline to get it done. And as Andrew Paul, the Navy SEAL we interviewed a couple of weeks ago, said, Discipline is freedom. And I think coming from a Mexican grandmother, very, very wise people, they know hard work and they know discipline. And it shows in the success that Marco Mendoza has now with the Dead Daisies, with Whitesnake, touring with 
let's face it, Alice Cooper with Kiss, they're touring all over the world and it only comes from the hard work. Nice one. Well, I'm going to play you this and I'm going to see if you can make a connection. Ringing any bells? Because it rang alarm bells for me, the piece that I'm about to talk about. <laughs> warning. Well, it's got to be something to do, it's got to be something to do with, uh, if it's a warning, it's going to be something to do with fear or... Yeah, well, I was in fear. I know, something unpredictable or dealing with the unpredictable nature of life or something. Yeah, well, it goes back to actually, goes back to Alicia Mayer, uh, the IP specialist that we had on, on the show uh, earlier in the year. We were talking about IP, and which is, stands for intellectual property. And it occurred to me that I was actually in some dire straits and I posed her this question about my business. Have a listen to this. So here's a question for me, being a little recording studio operator. Yeah. And an example that, that actually <laughs> Just so long as it doesn't put me between me and Gary right now and it's going to freak Gary out and somehow he's going to be the dirty IP guy, right? No, I'm just pulling out my contracts here, Alicia. <laughs> yeah, just check right, on this. I've got a contract template. We'll sort this out quickly. If there's a host of a podcast program. <laughs> no. I, think it's here in, I think it's in clause 13 in front of this program. Right yeah, this, this is when that, people uh... start listening to me, immediately get their phone out and start ringing people. But yeah, go ahead. See, my question comes to this. My question comes to I on sell a product, right? So I record a voiceover, I put some music or some sound effects behind it, or in the case of last week, I wrote music, I recorded that music, I had a vocalist come and sing. Yeah. And then I have a client in Singapore who has purchased that off me. Right. To use on their radio station. But technically, I still own that track. Because yeah, of the contract. I'm, I'm hearing dirty IP, you know? Yeah. I mean, was there, was it there is, a contract? It is dirty IP, and that's what occurred to me. He loves talking dirty. I like talking dirty. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Everybody likes it till the tears come out. Yeah. And that's when people exactly. realize that, you know, either A, they're the owner of the IP, mm. or B, they got shafted. It's, we know, it's which one of those are you, which hat are you wearing at which time? She scared me so much that my father-in-law actually knows a lawyer who specializes in IP. I actually went to him and had a generic contract written up that all my clients now receive whenever I do any jingle work for them. So that's how much she inspired me to get my bum off the chair. Anybody who's going into business in 2017 or in fact has a business and you are blogging, you have content, you are sharing information around, you definitely should go back through our archives and find the episode with Alicia Beverly Mayer. Whenever I'm doing a speech on innovation and creativity, I always show people where to go to talk to this lady because it really, I mean, warning's a good song because uh, once you hear Alicia talk on our show, it certainly is a warning. Maybe you're across it. Maybe you're not. If you're not, heed the warning uh, and get something done. I think that's the interesting thing here, though, is so many people are not across it that I talk to. So many people just go, oh, man, I listened to that episode you mentioned I'm going to do such and such because I, I know I can see that I'm open here or I haven't done this or whatever. That I think that's the incredible thing. People don't actually understand how open they are. And that leads on to our next learning, folks, and it comes from a guy called Joe Cross and he talked about a process that he calls Kibdi. Let's hear Joe describe what is Kibdi. It's knowing it versus doing it. That's the mm-hmm. acronym. Knowing it versus doing it. See, everyone listening to this show knows that fruits and vegetables, nuts and beans and seeds and whole grains are good for them. 
right? Mm. Everyone listening. We'd have to go a long way to find someone who would argue about those foods not being good for you, mm. okay? Yet the average Aussie is consuming in their diet just 7% of their calories comes from that incredibly important food group. 33% comes from animal product and a whopping 60% comes from processed food. And this is why we have this disease-riddled epidemic of nutritional ignorance that's going around Australia, the US, the UK and the Western world. So the question that you're asking me is the question for all of us, right? Why did it take me so long to pull my finger out and do something about it? And to be perfectly honest, I think we're all motivated by different things. It's like we, 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 there has to be some moment which Oprah would call the aha moment where the crisis comes and you just realise that if you don't do something about it, it's going to just be all too late. I like to think that, you know, I've, I've got my own time machine. You've got your own time machine. You know, you can travel back in time pretty easily. Go and look at some old photos, go for a trip down memory lane, think about your wedding day, think about the days you're at school, playing footy if you like. It's easy to go backwards, right? Well, if it's easy to go backwards, it should be just as easy to go forwards. So imagine what your life's going to be like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, and think about how you want to be and what do you want to be doing. And I, that's what I used to take it from the knowing it to the doing it. So I, I invoked my own fear, my own fear of not so much death, because I don't think innately we, we're too scared of death. I think that I was more scared of what my lifestyle would be like. You know, if I had diabetes, I might not have legs. I might not have hands. I might be blind. So I'll take death over being hospitalized and being in a sick bed for like 20 years, right? I mean, that's what I'll take. So I started thinking about the quality of my life. And so that's what got me there. But see, when I'm 32 and I'm 33 and I'm 34, yeah, I'm overweight and I'm sick. But you know what? I've got stuff to do. I'm out there building a business. I'm focused. I've got my priorities out of whack. I'm, I'm, I'm putting other things in my life to knock out that noise of what I need to do. And also, most of us, for change, change is fear, right? Change equals fear for a lot of people. I like to think of change equaling opportunity. And so... So I was, it took me a while to get the courage. It took me a while to get to the, the scared part about where my life could go. And then it took some time to get to me into a position of peace in myself where I just knew I had no alternative. So the reason it ties back to Alicia is what you just said, mate, is that people know it, mm. but they're not doing it. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I find with our health is that, you know, people say it's an information thing. People need to know more about it. People know what to do. They know what to do. They know what not to do. The issue is that grey area between knowing it and actually doing it. And I love the fact that Joe is out there getting after it, talking about know it but don't. Know it versus do it. They're two separate things. And hopefully this show is about getting people to take action. And all I'd say, folks, is, Whatever your dreams are in all aspects of your world for next year, just break it down to the smallest possible piece, just one small step to take. But take that step and don't be one of these people that suffers from kibdi. So we haven't done any country yet. No, thank goodness. <laughs> and I'm going to take you down the journey of country rock. Now, of course you are. This guy is a country rock 
superstar yeah. throughout the world. He is big, big, big time in America. And in fact, he came to Australia in 2016 for CMC Rocks and he was brilliant. The guy's name is Jason Aldean. The song is called The Only Way I Know. Listen, we won't play the whole thing, but just listen to the lyrics, folks, and apply it to your own world for next year. Well, I grew up in one of them old farm towns where they hit it hard till the sun goes down. Nobody really seemed to care that we were living in the middle of nowhere. We just figured that's how it was, and everybody else was just like us, soaking in the rain, baking in the sun. Don't quit till the job gets done. That's the only way I know. Don't stop till everything's gone. Straight ahead and never turn around. Don't back up, don't back down. A full throttle, wide open. You get tired and you don't show it. Dig a little deeper when you think you can't dig no more. That's the only way I know. I'm going to see your country and I'm going to throw in a little bit of Oz 80s rock. We were global, to be fair. It's not just Oz. Men at work. Traveling in a freighter combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? A women go and men Oh yeah, I'm going there because men at work wear helmets and someone we spoke to this year had a lot to say about helmets. Have a listen to this. And without awareness, you're going to be short-sighted. And without short-sightedness, while we float down this river of life, you're not going to see the rapids that are coming up. You're not going to see the rocks, all of which would be easily avoidable if you had a little bit of awareness and foresight as to what your position in the world was and where you were headed. Now, we all have the ability to do that, but it's not something that we train or that we teach people to train that muscle. And that's the difference between a boss and somebody just spectating. You've got to be able to see the future. And in that way, you can kind of pull the future into you. And yeah, it's all scary. But when it's all scary, it kind of becomes a a zero point, a zero sum. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, life's hard. Get a helmet. Now what? You know what I mean? It's (laughs) It's all hard. And once I accept that it's all hard, wow, things become way more palatable. Now, something that Gary and I talked about before the show is it's not just about the quote in there. It's not just about life's tough, get a helmet. It's about the story behind that. It's about all the stuff that scares us and overcoming it. And in 2017, if you're starting out doing something for yourself or starting a little sideline gig, decide what the first step is to get yourself on the track to make that goal and get on it. Well, it is that. There's probably psychologically some things that Tate talked about is what are the standards you're prepared to set for yourself for the year ahead? And are you prepared to get out of your comfort zone? And I think the first part that Tate talked about that he has, he's been through it himself is you've got to work out. And he talks about a lot. He uses the term, hold the standard. And you hear this a lot with guys that are very disciplined, hold the standard. And I think At this time of the year, we need to work out what is the standard we will set for ourselves for next year. Everything from getting out of the bed in the morning, what you eat, your appearance, keeping promises, how you speak to people. What's the standard that you will set for yourself? Are you going to be comfortable being comfortable? 
Or are you going to say my standard this year is to always find something that takes me in that discomfortable place? And what Tate talked about was you just can't care about fear. You just got to get your standards, be prepared to be uncomfortable, embrace that, and then take the first step. So it's a good, um, I thought that the Tate Fletcher show, which was episode 99, was probably one of our best for the year and certainly a wonderful start for Rocktober. There is so much philosophical value in that show. Coming from a guy, when you look at him, you just would not expect it. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and I think it's important, and this is why this show's so great, I think. It's about seeing your future next year and all elements of your world. And if things do get tough, put on your hard helmet and go, you know what, I'm just going to get into it, fear or no fear, I'm going to have a crack and take that step. But you've got to set the standards for yourself and you've got to know that the great improvements you make in all areas of your life are going to come from being uncomfortable. <laughs> the other great saying, folks, that we have up here in the studio is <laughs> it came once again from it came once again from Tate Fletcher. It was pretty close to uh, life's hard, get yourself a hard hat. And it was not every day is a Doris day. And I must say, <laughs> I use that a lot now when I'm speaking because a lot of guys that are out there talking, guys or girls, it's all about all the things you can do and steps forward and stuff. But, you know, you get bucked off the pony. Stuff's going to happen. You're going to get you're gonna get dusted. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get thrown. Life's just like that. And Tate's whole thing is, you know, not every day is going to be a Doris day. Front up, know it, face it, embrace it. And... The piece that I want to play came from a wonderful lady, and I've got to say it was a complete joy to interview this lady on, on the show. She was a friend of Robbo's, a loose, we'll say that loosely, an acquaintance, <laughs> a loose acquaintance of Robbo's. And her name was Andrea Burke, and she was a player from the Canadian women's rugby team. And she talked about when you're up against it and stuff's not going great, how do they approach it? Rugby has definitely impacted me around resilience and grit, both on and off the field. Uh, you know, every day in sport, we learn these lessons, right? So the first five calls a play and the play is to run a two, three switch. And instead of running the two, three switch, somebody drops the ball or all of a sudden the backfield opens up and we decide to kick. Well, in that moment, that play isn't on anymore. And we need to, um, we need to readjust to what is what is actually in front of us, whether it's a drop ball, you know, or whether it's an interception or something. And I notice when we you know, when we make mistakes on the field and we get down on ourselves, well, life and the game just gets a little bit harder. But when we make mistakes on the field and we say, OK, reset, let's go uh, get the ball back. Having that mindset really helps us continue to succeed and win. You know, anybody can win on a good day. Anybody can win when they're feeling good. But it's coming back from behind and winning when, you know, winning when you're not feeling so good that I think really shows the character of the people on the team. What a lovely lady. The unicorn. The unicorn. That's right. She was uh, she was fan. It was a, a, just a wonderful show from a lady who loves her sport, is just getting after it with a lot of philosophy and great thoughts behind it from a team perspective and an individual perspective. So when I, whenever I think of Andrea Burke and I think about Reset, Let's Go, I think about this song.
So I'm going to go from the cars to Lifehouse. Now, the title of that song is Hanging By A Moment, and I have been intrigued this year by some of the conversations we've had with some of our guests about how they put themselves into the moment. Right. And one of the people that we spoke to, again, a rugby person, was ex-Wallabies captain Nathan Sharp. Have a listen to what he had to say about getting himself into the moment before a game. My brother gave me a set of juggling balls when I was uh, about 14. And that was sort of like uh, hacky sack sort of material. And I used to, I lost one, and then when I started mm. to take it all seriously, I sort of took them just to get my hand coordination going before the game. But I carried them through my whole career. Um, and just before a game, I would roll them through my each hand and just think about, I guess, the people that were important to me and, and, and who I was representing, uh, regardless of what team it was. And, and you know, in the end, it sort of became something that just sort of centred me a little bit. I've never played rugby at that level and never will and never expected to. But in life in general, we need to get ourselves into the moment, whether we're writing copy for our website, whether we're doing our day-to-day work, whether we're with our family. And just finding that little thing that centres you, puts you in that moment where you are with your family, you are watching your kids do their school play or you are working on the next proposal or you are doing whatever it is that you're doing is so important. And it's something that I had never really done. And it's my little thing that I came up with was I always found it, working from home, I always found it hard to get myself into the day, to get myself started. So I've actually put myself in a situation where I leave the house to go buy a cup of coffee or something and I come back and then I pretend that I'm working, walking into work. I pretend that I'm walking into a place of business and I'm sitting down and I'm starting my day. And that's how I put myself in my work moment. Um, there are other, one, other ways I've found to, to do it for my personal life. But for me, that's the biggest one this year is getting myself into a workspace that's really been helpful. Do you know what would help that even more, I reckon? Mm-hmm. Well, I doubt you would turn up at work in those Daggy brown <laughs> tracky dacks that are three sizes too small with holes in them. Yeah. Uh, so I reckon dressing up a tad would uh, probably help your vibe. What, you're I'm just saying. Like, I'm just well, putting it out there. Um, I'm in my boxer shorts today, mate. Come on, I'm trying hard. <laughs> Do you know, when I think of the year and I reflect back and I think of music, one word comes to mind. What would that be? Jazz. Most interesting thing to me when talking to a lot of the innovators um, was that they all seem to reference jazz. And that was because of the relevance to collaboration. You get together with other people and you play and it's fun. And what you create together is a lot more interesting. It's a lot more resilient. It's a lot more likely to address a broader range of problems if you're working with other people who play different instruments to you. You don't want to sit down and have a band of 20 trumpets. You don't want to have, you know, six drummers. 
what you want is a drummer, a guitarist, a bass player, a keyboard. You, you know what I mean? So get out there and find people who can bring something different to the stage and play. Because we've played a lot of jazz this year, right? Well, no, we're a bit, bit rock, we're a bit country, a little yeah. bit of recent times, a bit gangster, and we're now going to throw in, and we've actually been opera in the last couple of yes, months. Yes, we so have. we're going to go a little bit jazz. We're the music, okay. we're, the, we're the show for all people. We don't just, we're Johnny Cash, we don't discriminate. And <laughs> I, I love the idea of that. And I must say, I do talk to leaders now when they are looking to introduce a culture, a proper culture around innovation and creativity. Where, uh, where people had the freedom to come up with ideas. And the words I took out from that, which I think is so important for leaders to hear in terms of innovation, creativity and differentiation is collaboration and improv. And too often we try to use just the people within our business who are way too close to it. And familiarity kills curiosity. And by collaborating with others in and out of work, being curious, involving other people, asking more questions than you give answers and thinking about yes and and not yeah but, which is the secret and the basis to improv. I love that notion and I love the fact of how she described it back to jazz. And this is a piece of music which I found that is a little rock, it's a little country, it's a hit. See if you can pick who this is. Wishing my days away, no way. And if it's the price I pay, some say tomorrow's another day. You stay, I may as well play. Well, being a police song, I would have to hazard a guess at Sting. Sort of sounds like it. It is. Yeah. But it's a jazz version because he's such a talented muser. So when you say we don't play a lot of jazz, this is our Mojo Radio Show crack and a little bit of jazz. I'm going to throw something in there that we don't normally play either. I'm going to go a little bit of pop rock. Mm, okay, that's uh, controversial. You think you got the best of me. Think you've had the last laugh. But you think that everything good is gone. Think you left me broken down. Think that I'll come on and back. Maybe you don't know me because you're dead wrong. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. reason I'm doing it is not so much because I love the song, I've got to be honest, but it speaks perfectly to what I'm about to talk about. Just before the Olympics this year, we spoke to Matt Formston, who 
has 5% of his sight, but is a world champion cyclist. Now, I asked him if he had the chance to have a life with vision, would he take it? This was his answer. It's given me perspective. Mm. It's the same as the seagull. Yeah. Being able to see better than you guys. Yeah. I, it's given me a perspective to go uh, to fight. Mm. And when I was younger, like, I, and I, I, I'm happy to admit it now, when I was younger, I was just trying to prove that I didn't have a disability. So I'd go out surfing 12 waves and all the sighted guys are sitting on the beach. Um, and I was basically th- taking my life into my hands. Um, but I was just trying to prove to everyone I didn't have a disability. And then by the time I was able to just go, yeah, you know what, I've got a disability and let's get on with it. I'd already done all those things and I had all this life experience. Um, and, like, for me, growing up on the northern beaches of Sydney, um, you don't have to fight a lot of the time. Most, most families that live there have got a bit of money and um, no disrespect to any of my mates, but they haven't done a lot of things in their lives. I've travelled the world. I've worn a green and gold jersey all over the world. I've been paid to ride a bike. Um, I've just had an amazing life and my eyesight's given me that. Now, while inspiring by itself, the message that I take from this and the message that I hope that people who are listening to this will take from it is certainly take his bravery, but also for me, it speaks about naysayers. Now, his brain could easily have been a naysayer and said, look, you've got 5% vision. The doctors have told you you'll never have a normal life. Sit on the couch, take in the Centrelink payments and do nothing. This guy got off his bum decided to ignore what his brain was telling him, if that's what it was, what it was telling him, and got on with things and put himself in, on, on the top of the world in his chosen sport. So if anything's going to inspire you for 2017, I think that story really has to. Well, he's going to be on the show next year too. We, uh, I got an email from Matt during the week. He's got a book that he's working on, which will be due out in the, oh, at this stage, the early part of 2017. He's going to come on the show and tell us all about the book. So awesome. you'll uh, be able to hear from him and talk to him firsthand. Yeah, there you go. But I love that story. All right, folks, that's our in between episode, the show that gets you through Christmas and into the new year in 2017. Now, this may be a stretch, but I've had a crack at an artist that is rock, is country, and is a little gangster. Okay. <laughs> You've got me intrigued now. Go. Well, I think it's challenging to think of any artist that could have been played on all formats in any city in the world. Could you think of any? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. But one guy did it and his name is Kid Rock. Ah, yeah. I was amazed at this guy. I'm a big fan. I always have been since he was, because he started his career as a rocky gangster and he defied the odds. He defied record companies. He defied audiences. He defied genres. He's huge in Nashville. He gets played on rock stations. He gets played on hip-hop stations. He'll appear at the MTV Music Awards to do hip-hop one day, the CMAs the next day doing a song with Leonard Skinner. It really is an incredible character. And the song that we're going to play out with is a song that he... And what it's 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 actually a bit it's a bit Kim Chandler McLeod that we spoke to earlier, episode ninety three about collaboration, improv, and jazz. It's a song that he has mashed together two songs, and the songs he mashed together were "Sweet Home Alabama" and Warren Zevon's "Werewolves of London." Now, rumor has it, when I saw him interviewed, there is also a little bit of Steve Miller wrapped in this because the same hook also appears in one of Steve Miller's songs. What I love about this is it's a mashup and his producer worked with Kid Rock to say we could put all these things together and he created a song that was played again. It was played on all formats pretty much across the world. 
What I love about this guy is he doesn't give a flying fig about anybody else's opinions. He is his own brand. He's out there doing things. He's constantly pushing boundaries. He's constantly recreating himself and his music. I just love this piece. This is him doing All Summer Long. And because it's summer here in Australia, it's a great play-out song for our summer season. It's summarised while we are a little bit rock, a little bit country, a little bit gangster. What do you reckon? Sounds good to me. We're out. It was 1989. My thoughts were short. My hair was long. Caught somewhere between a boy and man. She was 17 and she was far from in between. It was summertime in northern Michigan. Things, and we were smoking funny things. Make-
The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.